Welcome back to the SAS Talks podcast, the podcast for talk about all the goings on in the world of school psychology and other random musings. As always, I am your host, Chris Ponce. Joining me today, I have the infallible Jim Baker. How you doing? Hey, what's up? <laughs> well, I, I noticed Brooke took his mic off first, so I try to throw him off a little oh, bit. I, I was thrown. Gotcha. I was thrown. I, I thought it was coming my direction. How you doing, Brooke? I'm good. How's everything uh, up in Lubbock? uh today was good um of course today when you listen to this all will not be today uh so anyways anything going on in your guys's world anything that's fun or interesting Mm. your silence is reassuring so it's great for a podcast (laughs) um so just kind of i know this is again this is gonna be dated I, i hate i hate saying this but watch the oscars recently yeah. And I think I had seen most of the movies that were high. like I, this was a first for me. Normally, I'm catching up late to the scene and I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm seeing movies on the Oscars that I've never even heard about before. But uh, last night I, I had done my homework and, and I watched most of the movies this year. Well, were they movies that you purposely went out of your way to watch or you just happened to see them and where they were nominated? um i did go out of my way to watch a couple of them yes okay like, so what were some of your favorite movies that were nominated um so it took me a little bit to to uh to figure out what was going on in power of dog or whatever mm, right um but that uh i had to go back and read up and kind of figure out put some put some pieces together that is definitely a movie i would not have watched uh, had it not been somebody, I think, su- suggested, what's his name? Cumberland? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him. <laughs> Way to butcher that, man. <laughs> Should I know him? I, you know what? In your world, maybe not, so I don't know. No. <laughs> Did you watch Coda? Because that's a phenomenal Coda, movie. Coda, Coda was amazing. Um, and I wanted to watch it like immediately when it came out, but it really took us a couple of months to... Uh, to to finally sit down and, and watch it and so glad i did and i get emotional um oh and, man you kidding me that's a, yeah, every yeah. time i'm gonna laugh and then cry the next second yeah when he's no nah, i won't ruin it for people but it's just it's so good it's so good i was uh i was pulling for lynn manuel miranda to win the egot you know oh yeah but too bad so, billy eilish stole that from him yeah yeah <laughs> so well i was actually kind of happy because i know I think a year ago, I told you to watch the Mitchells versus the machines on Netflix, which is an animated film and is hilarious. And Brooke attacked me saying it was dumb. Which no, I no, was... no, no, no. I haven't seen it. Yes. You watched it and you said you didn't like it. I didn't watch it. So you lied to me then. Maybe. I have I a don't, text or message I was... to prove it because I had to look before I made sure I said that. Can you tell me what day and time it was sent? And I'll tell you what I was doing at the time. Jesus oh Christ. Okay, I'll look after this. Anyways, it was nominated for Academy Award. It's a phenomenal movie. I love it. A great family movie, road trip movie against machines. But we can talk about movies all day, or at least I can, and you guys can listen. But that's not what we're here for this episode. We're on part two of our great couples and mental health series. So I'm going to introduce our members, our new guests that are going to be on the episode today. I'm going to do one at a time. So first, we'll start with the real Dr. McCleary, Lisa. Um, she has her PhD in school psychology and is a licensed school psychologist and BCBAD, a lot of acronyms. She has worked in various settings, providing a variety of services, including contract assessment work for school districts 
behavioral assessment and intervention in school districts, teaching in school psychology program at a university and therapy and assessment services in private practice. Currently, she provides contract services, conducting FBA and BIP support for school districts, provides assessment and therapy services in private practice, provides therapy for students on juvenile probation, and partners with a women's, women's clinic, providing therapy for women experiencing a variety of adjustment issues. Recently, she has been partnering with a couple who is opening an autism center in Nacogdoches to provide much-needed ABA therapy to East Texas. When she's not working, you can find her on her yoga mat or spending time with her family and friends. So Lisa, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. That little paragraph may be one of the most impressive things I've ever read. And I do feel sorry for the other guests I'm going to have to introduce next <laughs> because that is awesome, Lisa. That is so good. You have so many credentials. You have so much experience and you're it seems like you're an expert in everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> far from that, but Whatever. I, well, I think it's, I think after I wrote that, I was like, man, I really need to like narrow this down. And I feel that. I no, mean, I, feel <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I you should not feel bad. If I could do all that stuff, I would hundred percent put that in every single introduction <laughs> that people would read for me. So kudos to you. How are you doing today, Lisa? How's your day been? I'm perfect. Good, good, good. Yes. Let me let me introduce yeah. your PIC, your partner in crime, real quick, and then we'll start getting into some of these questions. So Daniel McCleary earned a bachelor's degree from Drury University and an MS and PhD from the University of Tennessee. Dr. McCleary has worked as a school psychologist in the rural public schools of Tennessee as a private practitioner and currently is a program director of the Master School Psychology Program at Stephen F. Austin State University. He is an NCSP, LSSP, and LP. Daniel has served on the task force since 2015 as a newsletter editor, public information and relations chair, and currently as the area one representative. What's going on, Daniel? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, really, all you needed to say was married to the real Dr. Lisa McClary. <laughs> that sums up my bio. <laughs> you were like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and marry this person. Done. I'm set. <laughs> so I do know kind of through snooping, Lisa, you have your PhDs from Tennessee as well, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. so is that where you guys adorably met? Yeah. We did. Okay, so tell us Same a little bit. Over. We like to hear the couples like meet cute meet story. Meet cute. <laughs> we okay, so we actually first met at NC State at oh. the interview there at NC State. Um, we took out the trash together. Nice. Yes. <laughs> that is yeah. We did. To and the what, dumpster. And what does that mean? Boxes. <laughs> exactly that Brooke. <laughs> so interviews were like over right but we were still there because the flights weren't leaving yet and waiting on like rides and things needed to be picked up so um interviews were over we were waiting for our rides to the airport because uh, another student was taking me. I don't know. You were probably in the same boat. Yeah, I don't remember. So anyway, we were there later than the other applicants were. And so we just started helping pick up the room and took out a bag of trash to throw it into the dumpster. Um, and so that was the first time we met. And then at UT interviews, we happened to see each other there. 
Um, Daniel was like in the front row answering all of Dr. Skinner's questions. Of course. And I was like, (laughs) who is this guy? This guy. Look at this handsome guy. (laughs) Now, now when you say, when you say UT, you, you mean the, uh, the University of Tennessee. Yes. Yes. The real orange. Yeah. Right orange. There's no need to burn it. I mean, it's good the way it is. <laughs> I understand that when uh, the Longhorns enter the SEC conference coming up soon, uh, that they will be referred to as UTA. <laughs> and I, I think they're uh, not a fan of that. Well, <laughs> yeah, sounds like a satellite campus. <laughs> <laughs> Just one letter separating them. That's great, Dan. I don't know if that was on the spot or you thought about that for weeks and just waiting for it to plug in, but that was phenomenal, Daniel. I I appreciate that. That was really good. I do what I can. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so you guys met each other, all that stuff, but we always want to know kind of how you guys found the world of school psychology. So whichever one, one of you wants to go first, how did you come into our world? You know, did you fall into it? Were you a unicorn that wanted to do it since you were three and you stumbled across a KBC on the floor or a whisk one and you're like, what is this? Blocks. No, um, I was a psychology major and part of their requirements were that you had to do an internship. And there were no stipulations on what the internship was. So um, I thought a little bit about being a lifeguard because that's what my friends were doing. I was on the swim team, <laughs> but that just didn't seem right to me yeah. to like, oh, this is my psychology internship. <laughs> Let me go be a lifeguard. a lifeguard. Yeah. So, and I don't remember exactly how I found it, but I ended up getting an internship at a private school for students with learning disabilities and autism. They had two different sections of this school, and one was for students with learning disabilities, and there was with autism. Um, and so I worked with the kids that had learning disabilities, and, and I really enjoyed it. And the instructor of the course was like, "Oh, you should look into school psych," because um, at that point I was looking for grad schools. I didn't know what else <laughs> I was going to do with a psychology degree, um, and so I started applying to school psych places. Because I, I really enjoyed it. Interesting. So where did you end up getting your school psych degree from? At University of Tennessee. Got it. Got it. But In Knoxville, you, not a satellite campus. Not the, the main <laughs> campus, right? <laughs> but are you, so are you from Tennessee? I'm not. I grew up in San Antonio. So why, why'd you go to Tennessee then? <laughs> I guess that's where I'm uh, leading. Because because I felt like it was the best program at the time. Fair enough. And, you know, I mean, it's still a wonderful program, but I don't keep track of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's your opinions and your opinions alone, I guess. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's all that matters. (laughs) All right. Lisa, how did you come to our world and then continue on into, we'll talk about the BCBA thing in a second, but how did you come to school psychology? Um, So I was in undergrad. I was a psychology major. Um, at Castleton State University. Never heard it's of it. Where's that at? Small, it's in Vermont. Oh, okay. That's why. Southern Vermont. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Castleton University now. We've grown, but um, I am a first gen, like, 
PhD and like first gen college student. And I graduated valedictorian and I got a state scholarship to um, any state school in Vermont. So that's where I went. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congratulations um, yeah. on something that happened in the past. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was happy. Um, and then, um, they happened to have this really great, like research program there. So I learned a lot about research while I was there, um, and developmental psychology. And I did an internship, um, with a school psychologist in Granville, New York. Okay. Yeah. So you're just so, hitting all the New England areas, basically. I mean, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's not far. Yeah. Okay. I guess I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're small. <laughs> um, and then um, I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought this is exactly what I want to do. Um, I applied to a lot of different grad schools, um, trying to get in. At the time, I didn't even understand NASP and accreditation and stuff like that. Like I just was looking around and. Um, I landed at University of Tennessee, oh. um, and yeah, that's all she wrote for that. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So, so have you always been interested in behavior stuff? Because you're also a BCBAD. Like, was that something you just stumbled into, or mm -hmm. you're like, this is my jam? No. Yes, I always, always have been. Um, University of Tennessee is pretty behavioral. I mean, like all school side programs, um, and. I remember being in consultation and doing um, behavioral consultation um, in an adaptive behavior classroom and just really loving it. And then even when I went on internship, I just sought out those cases. Like I went out to the classrooms and <laughs> yeah. tried to help the teachers with the kids that they were struggling with disrupting the whole, the rest of the class or, and that sort of thing, so. Interesting. So yeah, always. So in your, so you do private practice, correct? Currently? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what is your focus more? Is it more psych focus or behavior or both? Um, I would say that I, most of my clients are children and I spend like the first 20 minutes talking to parents, mm -hmm. um, maybe 10 minutes, like kind of catching up um on what's happened while I haven't seen them um and then I meet with the child and work on skills and then I come back with the parent and meet with them and talk about how they can support skills at home um so that's and it's a variety of different issues from uh just like a lot of behavioral outbursts to just general like social skills yeah. or so there's a little bit anxiety. of parent training and child training right yeah I love it it's yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah that's great so your so your private practice is like it's not talk therapy it's really more skill acquisition and then consulting with parents to teach the same skills yes yeah I I generally like if I am in it talk therapy at all like with adolescents I use an ACT approach um ah tell us about ACT <laughs> ACT is <laughs> sure it's acceptance commitment therapy um and what tree is it in behavioral <laughs> <laughs> who pioneered ACT 
<laughs> You're gonna like quiz me? <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I mean, for our listeners, for the Russell audience. Harris is my. I mean, I think there was somebody else. I forget his name right now, but Russell Harris is the person that I really enjoy trainings from, and I read all his books. Like, um, so, um, but really, ACT is about um, the way that I explain it to clients. Just really quickly, I'll take like two minutes. Is there's your values is your compass, so you got to know what's important to you, right? So, if family is important to you, you need to know that, and Basically, all um, mental health issues come from when we um, are acting in ways that are incongruent with our values, um, which a lot of us do sometimes, right? <laughs> um, and so there's an emphasis on, on teaching mindfulness, um, being present in the moment. Um, so it's not uncommon for me to teach meditation or we're drinking a glass mindfully or taking a walk mindfully in session. Um, and then um, there's also um, looking at what's called diffusion techniques. So being able to unhook from the stories that we tell ourselves. So like, you know, I often, this is gonna sound crazy, but for me personally, I often have the, um, I'm a failure, I'm not enough story. Can you imagine that? Syndrome, right? <laughs> yeah, so irrational, right? <laughs> and so like we often develop these stories about ourselves. And so when you're able to notice them and unhook from them using various techniques, um, then you can start to employ some more adaptive thinking. And what I like about it is that it's, it says, you know, versus cognitive behavior therapy, you're taking your um, thoughts um, or like your irrational thoughts. And instead of having, um, you know, in front of your face where you can't like really interact with present moment, you accept that they're here. They're probably always going to be here and you just put them on your lap and move through your day with them. So wow. do the hardcore behaviorists support act? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like you're there talking is... about, you're talking about values and cognitions oh, yeah. and mindfulness and i'm sitting here thinking how do you observe that yeah yeah so you know there's there's a lot you know that basic abc chart that mm -hmm. you know we grew up on <laughs> um it's becoming a lot more diverse and there's there's i i think there's this movement towards acknowledging thoughts that might occur and the stories that we tell ourselves so and so do you have daniel on a program right now it's impossible to put daniel on a program really <laughs> oh yeah daniel's on his own program <laughs> <I can't. laughs> so and then you said i think you had said that you're interested in trying to figure out whether a child needs net or ddt dtt what do those stand for okay so any naturalistic environmental training which is real applied behavior analysis in my opinion so you're it looks like you're playing but you're really like reinforcing the child every time they're engaging in some social skill that you're trying to teach them so it's not that kind of discrete trials where you're sitting at a table and presenting the same kind of trials over and over to the student and so then dtt is your discrete trial training 
yeah okay. has a place like it has a place just like resource classrooms and <laughs> yeah. you know it has a place but also that net has a place as well and i think it's a good blend and understanding when and how much which i don't think people are really good at knowing um and there's this whole like bridge so when i went to private practice just working in that environment and like you know starting to work with starting an autism clinic um there's this pressure that the clinic wants you to put 40 hours of aba in your report right okay so which i know as a school site comes to the school and they go give me 40 hours aba the doctor <laughs> says i need it <laughs> right um and so it's like but how are we making that decision like who says 40 hours and like does insurance really understand that and the and the reason and the reasoning behind it from my understanding is that insurance companies rarely approve 40 hours and so they want you to stay 40 hours so that they can get the most that they can get <laughs> approved and so you know but the schools don't understand that and the parents certainly don't so just trying to figure out how do we make those decisions and what data are we looking at to base those decisions on? So, so kind of related to that, I was talking with a mother of a child of a, of a uh, I guess he's going to be in ninth grade um, yeah. and, and uh, he has autism. They said that, you know, when he was an early toddler, he was self-injurious. He was, you know, spinning in circles, um, a lot of headbanging and, um, you know, they had a really hard time. And I asked, you know, did you do ABA? And the answer was no, we chose other forms of treatments that were more holistic and had to do with diet and all that kind of stuff. And now he's about to exit from special education. And it made me wonder. So let me back up just a little bit. There's a, there's a book that I read, uh, five or six years ago card called the heart and soul of change is, is anybody familiar with it mm -mm. um and so what it does is he takes and it's an it's an apa kind of re, uh, report book and so he he takes all of these different uh treatment modalities of psychotherapeutic um, interventions so cognitive behavioral therapy rational emotive therapy um, anything that has an evidence base. And he says, let's see what is the most effective. And, and he couldn't answer that question. I forgot who wrote it. I'm sorry, I'm not uh, able to cite that right now. Um, but but they, they, they ended up saying it's not necessarily what each treatment brings to the table that's different than another treatment. It's actually what is in common with these treatments that is the heart and soul of change. It's, um, it's active listening, it's um, rapport building, it's uh, non-judgmental uh, orientation. So it's all of those things that are common in each of these treatments that make it effect. And it may go, so now go back to this mother who did, you know, who chose holistic type therapies over ABA. I just wonder if, that which is effective is actually the interaction, the the intensive interaction with an adult who um, is spending intensive amounts of time with kids. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Are you trying? Are you saying 
that attachment like, to it, an adult is more important? maybe it is maybe it is maybe it is attachment maybe, maybe yeah. and, and and i don't know maybe maybe the word's not attachment but, but engagement right yeah i'm just trying to find i'm trying to grab for yeah. a word but that's what it seems or even like rogerian like person-centered therapy absolutely was there yeah. a question in there brooke or are you just talking so Daniel, what you've been up to? What, what are your uh, what's your teaching and research interests? Um, so the masters and the doc <laughs> have, have uh, separated from each other, and I am the director of the masters program. And the masters program has this actually started about a few years ago, and we offer a Zoom track now, and so students can roll through the zoom track it's synchronous so they would be zooming into our live classroom still there live time so still having discussions and live time and needing to participate and all that stuff but the more that we've done it <laughs> the application was has changed uh, primarily due to the small and rural schools network grant um, and so we're getting a lot of people that are already working in schools, like teachers, paraprofessionals, art facilitators, um, even some SPED directors. And so they are, it's kind of morphed into a grow your own sort of, so that they can continue to a certain degree working. Um, they cannot complete their field experiences on the same campus that they're working in. So trying to minimize the dual multiple relationships and so that they actually get supervision as practicum or LSSP intern rather than parents, students, and administrators treating them in whatever their other role is and expecting them to do, continue performing those. So they're actually getting the experiences that they need to be an LSSP and interacting with others that way. How long have you guys been doing this? You want to say three years? Really? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just now starting to kind of take off. Okay. People still don't really know about it. Well, l let me tell you, the tens of people that listen to this, they're going to spread <laughs> the word, Daniel. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I mean, there's a shortage, right? Programs can only reach so many people that live within their area. Um, and we've got some people that are all over the state that otherwise would not be able to access this training. Now, we do make them come in for specific days, say, to administer an assessment to demonstrate competency um, with these things. And that one assessment is really the one that I have the most concern uh, about um, with doing virtual. Um, so that's why we have them come campus to, to demonstrate competency there and also socialization to the, the field so to get to know us and the other um, school sites here in the area um, and we're getting rid of our thesis so we're going to be a much more applied program um, so we're getting rid of those courses and adding in um, other coursework and increasing our field hours and switching from a scientist practitioner to a practitioner scientist model um, because, I mean, at the specialist level, working in schools, that's what you need, in my uh, opinion. Having a, a thesis, for most people, they're not going to be using it in the, the schools at that level. Right. Well, I, I know, so Nacogdoches is kind of centered between Dallas and Houston, right? 
Not, I mean, not like directly center, but like like that, right? A triangle, yeah. Yeah, like a triangle. Sorry, like closer to Louisiana, correct? Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. We're about a little less than an hour and a half from Shreveport. Okay. Well, my what I'm leading towards is there's probably a huge shortage where you are, right? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, because I'm sure if there's graduating, they're like, well, I'm just going to go to Dallas or Houston. I mean, everywhere, but yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so do, you, do you feel like this is not only putting you guys more on the, I mean, I know it's still three years in, but that's bringing people to your program, right? And that's really good. Is there anybody that's in Nacogdoches that's doing it as well to hopefully stay there? Um, we do have some, yes. And we do still get, um, like this year, we had two or three applicants that were wanting the face-to-face uh which kind of surprised me actually because i was thinking nobody was gonna apply to that anymore you want to you want to come oh jesus we don't have rooms (laughs) (laughs) so do you feel yeah i mean we need we need lssps here too so you know it's not just for people that are you know further away and don't have access to uh you know a traditional campus right Um, I think it goes along with what I was reading on Lisa stuff is Lisa, you do a lot of contract work, right? Yeah, I did some like contract assessment work just because I hadn't really done assessment in Texas. I did in Tennessee as a school site. And so I was like, what is this about? What is this cross batteries? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so um, I really, I really wanted to grow that. And so last year, when I first started in private practice, I also contracted two days a week with two different districts. Um, And it was a lot of fun. Like I had fun doing it, but I also like, um, there is no like shortage of work (laughs) at all. (laughs) And And I think they would have, you know, if I would have offered up more time, they would have taken it and so it just yeah 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 well that's what I was going to kind of lead into that with Daniel is that for your interns Daniel do they stay or do they leave so you know the ones that are already in a school system and a lot of them are coming to us because they're trying to go through this grant, the Small Rural Schools Network grants mouthful right Um, (laughs) and so they get reimbursed, I believe, for tuition, even for books. If they commit to staying in that district, I believe it's for three years after they graduate. And so the district also really benefits because they finally have an LSSP. For three years. Um, <laughs> at least. Yeah. But least. no, really, like most of these people, they understand the need. And that's why they're coming to the program because they're like, there's nobody around here. And we need this knowledge, this training to be able to, to do this work. And so that, and they are committed to being where they are is what I've been hearing and Good. experiencing so far. I, I don't think, I'm not aware of anybody that has like left and everybody has always said like, no, like this is where this needs to be. And I want to be here. Good. I mean, if you're already in a rural area, <laughs> chances are, you're not wanting to leave anyway. Yeah. Like you already you know what it. rural is and you know those people and you, you're trying to make where you are better. Yeah. 
what are y'all doing for supervision in those communities where uh, there aren't school psychologists? They're, they're either working with a co-op is, is how that district is already getting service. So, I mean, there has to be somebody around for that district or they were like contracting or there's somebody that's about to retire or that has retired, but they've been paying that to come back. Um, but we do have stipulations on like, the supervisor as well. So the supervisor has to be a part of that campus for so many days a week, because otherwise, if they're just contracting, say, to come in for two hours a week of supervision, they're not getting adequate supervision, in my opinion, because they don't understand how that school system functions, and they can't really give advice about how to navigate the system and work within it. Um, so, yeah, there there have been some situations where they have had some trouble finding um, a supervisor. And so I've reached out to some people that I've known in those areas or people nearby to see. Because, I mean, the state's big. I don't know. It's I know huge. People, but I don't know people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, that that is a, a legitimate, can be a challenge for some people as well. Something that comes up in Daniel and I's area rep meetings all the time is this state is huge, <laughs> right? And basically all else's yeah. fees are centered around four cities for the most part. Texas seems like more than most other states, the way the LSSPs practice varies drastically, <laughs> um, which can be challenging at times for to get supervisors to supervise across the 10 domains and then districts to support experiences mm -hmm. across all 10 domains. Um, especially if, you know, the LSSP hasn't administered um, an assessment. Right. <laughs> in many years, yeah. <laughs> you know, or has never done counseling, you know. And so it's, it's just interesting, but it's also good for the students to understand that there are different models and practices out there and to know what you value and to look for that in the job that you're looking for. Now, of course, <laughs> with this rural thing, that kind of limits <laughs> yes. those options. Um, but traditionally, that's the way I would, I would talk about it is you know, figuring out which, which of those domains really interest you. And when you go and interview, you know, look for those things. That's true. Now, I want to pivot here because you guys are both parents that are also psychologists mm -hmm. and behaviorists. Um, what's it like raising kids with another psychologist? Like, are you guys on the same or are you like my wife and I, and not a bad way, but a behaviorist perspective and a psychologist perspective for like a tantrum in the middle of floor and decor last weekend? <laughs> where i'm like no, well, let's, let's let's see what's going on she's like no we're just gonna let him tantrum it out and i'm like okay but why why is he though can we, can we ask him this <laughs> he's two by the way so it's not like a 13 year old or something yeah yeah i'd say we are pretty much on the same page by and large and yeah, fun. occasionally we'll have a different opinion about things but generally we're on the same page or at least understand where the other is coming from yeah yeah. We we also have a two year old, we have yeah. a two and an eight year old. <laughs> yes, Daniel and I have talked about the generalization of urinating outside for boys. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is a, a 
a bad thing to start. I, I think that is the uh, gateway. I met Bottle Cap Alley a couple nights ago and noticed this like, can I TT outside? I'm like, you TT outside, we're going home. <laughs> I had to say that like five times. <laughs> well, so I'll say this was actually happened earlier today that we were outside just hanging out and our dog mm -hmm. went to the restroom. And then my son was like, oh, that's acceptable, I guess. So we turn around, he's trying to pull yeah. down his shorts. We're like, no, 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 no. You go inside the house. <laughs> but he's like, but I thought this is what we're supposed to do. I go, well, not maybe for you, but. <laughs> but so, so how, so maybe not even just children, but you guys are both psychologists and school psychologists. That is it easy to like have conversations with each other about things? Or do you find that kind of, you know, maybe a hurdle of like, well, she already knows exactly what I'm talking about. The venting maybe cannot go, right? You know, I think it's like, you know how they say you can't, you can't like treat your family. Like you really can't like, and I think, you know, when I, Dana really understands where I'm coming from at work. And so like, I have to say very little, like, you know, if I had a hard therapy session or if I'm battling some like crazy case that's like litigated and, you know, there's a parent advocate or whatever in the schools, like he gets that. He, to he totally understands like that stress level going into it. Um, or like, even when I was working in the schools with aggressive kids and like coming home with like bruises or having to go, you know, get medical treatment for, you know, different injuries, like he, he understands that and like people in that position who had husbands that were not in that yeah. <laughs> field, they were like, get out, yeah. <laughs> what the heck, <laughs> you know? And so like, I appreciate that he like really understands that perspective. Um, and it makes it, I think less stressful for me and like more uh, likely that I get to do what I like to do. Um, and uh, but like when it comes to like our kids and like us, like maybe we can overanalyze things a little bit, <laughs> but like for the most part to me, it's like, I'm still reaching out to my girlfriends for support. I'm still drinking wine and like doing yoga and like it, it's still really stressful to be a parent, even if you're a trained parent, like, like we are, like it's so stressful i can't imagine being a parent without the knowledge that i have i really can't <laughs> my wife and i were literally having that conversation the other day lisa we're like thank god we know these things because can you imagine if we didn't and we're just trying to like wing it or look it up <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> basically yeah. all right daniel what's your yeah. retort for that since lisa just said a bunch of nice stuff about you <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree with her. I think there are pros and cons to it. Uh, place before, and we're not right now. That can be really nice because you understand like what the person's talking about, where they're coming from, and can have um, some more maybe direct advice or input. Um, but then the the con is is that maybe you're talking about that work stuff too much and not talking or doing other things outside of it. And then that can be its own drain. So there, there are pros and pros and cons to it. Limit shop talk. <laughs> shop talk. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so Lisa, real quick, because uh, Jen actually had a question that I didn't know she had a question, but it, it kind of talks about some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. So oh, I was just going to ask about your interest in tick and movement disorders. So I, I had a couple of clients with tick and movement disorders, and I realized that there's just not a lot of awareness um, or like not even knowledge of interventions for them in schools and even in East Texas. And so I started kind of like reaching out um, and we have a good friend from grad school, Charles, Charles Galen. He runs like a private practice in Knoxville. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, he, like I reached out to him because I knew this was like an interest of his and he's been partnering with Vanderbilt University. Um, and trying to get like more trainings out there and stuff like that. Um, and so I've really been looking for like a CBIT training, which is, um, oh gosh, I'm not going to know what it stands for. Cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, cog cognitive, cognitive behavior interventions for ticks. For ticks. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. Or comprehensive comprehensive behavioral intervention for tick yeah so it uses a lot of hrt like habit reversal training and stuff like that um but like applied to ticks um and like there's just not a lot of trainings like the only one open right now is for occupational therapists which i'm trying to like think like how why can i join one for <laughs> i don't know yeah um but so again like there are some good effective treatments out there. Um, and you know, how to how do we collaborate with neurologists? Um, I recently collaborated with some neurologists um, at the Houston in Houston. Um, it's the Houston Center for Movement Disorders. Um, and, and so I just these kids with ticks, <laughs> they have a special place in my heart. I love every single client that I've ever had. <laughs> um, and it just comes with a variety. Usually they come with a variety of things like OCD and maybe some ADHD and stuff like that. So, um, but they're very cool kids um, and they need help, especially through their teen years. Um, and there's just not enough intervention and like access to intervention for them out there. What kind of turned you on to this area? Did you just had a client at one time and you're like? No, seriously, it was it was my clients. Like, yeah. and just that the need for it. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Why, what? I can't refer you to anybody. Like yeah. there's, there's no one within like 150 mile radius, like that's trained in this, these like research-based techniques, like, okay, I need to get trained because this is not okay. <laughs> so Lisa brings up a really good point with differences between BCBAs and LSSPs. I mean, like she said, if there's no interventions out there or no one can provide that, then she's got to find a way <laughs> to make it work for her client. And so she tries, but you're contacting your friend and trying to get that as well. But that's a huge need. And it's kind of different from LSSPs. We kind of go into whatever the need is, but BCBAs are very particular in what they study oh, yeah. and what they provide intervention for and what they specialize in. Whereas LSSPs are like, okay, do this counseling. Well, I haven't done yeah. counseling in a year. Okay, I guess I better 
brushed up on my skills. Yeah. It's not as easy as a, with the BCBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the broadness of school site training. I really do. Like, I love, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, mostly I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of getting towards the end here. And I want to make sure I talk about some certain things. So Lisa, tag the autism center, autism center. Tell us about it. So tag is a, um, it's an autism center that a couple from Nacogdoches, um, the Dotsons have opened. Um, they, they are from Nacogdoches. They moved away and lived in Austin. They have a daughter with autism. Um, and so, um, when they moved back into the area, they initially were, they met with me and they were talking about a app that they had developed that basically um, helps parents learn how to apply some of the skills being taught um, in autism clinics um, at home. So like kind of video modeling what to do when a child is becoming upset because the schedule's off or whatever those sorts of things. Really cool. I was like, can we apply this to the ED population? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, anyways, kind of genius. And so they, they first initially started talking to me about that. And then they um, realized through conversations, through different stakeholders in the community that there were just no services here. So like, you know, we, we, the closest one is like Tyler, Longview, but the kids here don't, have access to ABA therapy um, within like probably a hundred mile radius for sure. Rural area, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so they get what they get when they get in schools um, and some private preschools that are around here, but they're not like through insurance or anything like that. Um, and I saw, you know, the effects of that firsthand when I was working in public schools here in Nacogdoches. And so um, and surrounding areas, um, but they decided we're going to buy some property, and they renovated it, and they opened up the center, and um, in there, um, uh, doing assessments and forming treatment plans, and we're locating RBTs, and really? <laughs> um, training up BCBAs, um, but, you know, the title is TAG, um, meaning like tag your it. Uh, it's a collaboration between parents and our staff at the center. And I love the moral and ethic compass of this couple and what they want to provide and services for children in this area. You guys have a lot of clinics out there? No. No. Okay. So it's just Lisa. <laughs> so i mean so you guys not only have an lssp shortage you just have a service shortage yes in general yeah well and then like as we were navigating the you know the center and like getting credentialed with insurances and things like that so you you know you have to have the diagnosis before you can be uh eligible for your insurance company to reimburse you for ABA therapy. <laughs> yeah. And so like, but then there's this bottleneck for even diagnoses. So like 
I diagnosed and there's like a few private practice people and then children's like children's has like a 90 day waiting list or something like that. I'm booked out till, um, mid June now. And so it's like, there's this bottleneck there of even just getting the diagnosis so that you can get the services. And I'm sure COVID impacted that too. Like I know it did. Man, so I guess maybe in your program, Daniel, are you like trying to like make sure they stay there? (laughs) Like truly like not being a a smart ass, but like if. Uh, No, I I give them autonomy. Yeah. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. There there are a number of LSSPs or school sites that have stayed in the area like that or SFA training. Yeah. There are a number of them. But but even so I guess even on the BCBA side, Lisa, one of you guys leaves and that's like cutting you guys down by like a what, there's probably three or four were at your at that clinic, right? Two? BCBAs? Yeah. I mean, there's me and then I'm collaborating with Shelly Reyes, who is a it's BCBA. never good when you just hold up one hand. <laughs> Shelly's a BCBA that I supervise. I have supervised another one um, that's currently a behavior specialist at NISD. Um, she should be taking her certification exam soon. So, and then hopefully um, I'll be supervising this other RBT, but she's a BCBA candidate at the center here. So, and growing up. My colleague, Dr. Jamie Flowers, is also a BCBA. Yes. She works in the school psych program, but she also runs a, um, it's called Applied um, Behavior Analysis Certification Program. And so it's a BCS approved coursework, but then they have to get the field experience on their own. Interesting. Brooke, is this... The same type of problems you guys are seeing because you guys aren't in the normal big cities of texas right so this is we our programs are very similar our issues are very similar um, we are training the same type of uh individual and daniel's just doing it better <laughs> but yeah i mean we I would say maybe our BCBA situation is a little bit different um, because the university has had a, a, you know, an ABA program for a number of years now. And um, so that that may be a little bit different, but we don't have BCBAs in schools at all. I mean, I think that's just general in general. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jen. I mean, but even in my district, we have one. I think for an entire district. Yeah. A lot of BCBAs don't elect to be in the school system for many different reasons. Uh, <laughs> pay yeah. being one of them, um, you can make more money too, uh, working clinical. Man, shortages across the board, shortages across the board. Well, we are getting kind of towards the end of our episode here. So what we're going to do is have Jen do some rapid couples questions at you guys. Um, I do we do have a question that we're asking everybody so we'll have to get your opinion at the very end but these are most likely questions okay so you have don't do the thing where we say and then you look at each other and like make eye contact and be like this is you right like just say the name just say the name or say me or them so (laughs) so like say it at the same time 
I mean, whatever, but yeah, it's so in sync. It's in fine. sync, yeah. Yeah. Like the early two uh, like thousands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. These are just fun okay. couples questions. That's all. Don't worry, don't overthink. Not get a divorce don't, after this. Yeah. Don't promise. overanalyze it. <laughs> you promise. Okay. Okay. I promise. Uh, most likely to sing karaoke. Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> What's your song? 100%. I mean, what's not? <laughs> <laughs> True. It's not pretty. I didn't think it was pretty. That's hey, that wasn't the question. Well, so the question was most likely, but are you ever going to do it, Daniel? Do you do sing karaoke? Uh, I have been uh, known to... <laughs> To grab a mic every once in a while. Something called singing. The next, the next board meeting challenge. <laughs> okay, most likely to politely correct someone's grammar. Neither. Yeah. Oh, good. good. We do that. Okay, we have takers on the line. We don't care about that. That's one of those critical items that we look at. <laughs> I love it. We don't care. Yeah, we don't care that much. Um, most likely to lock themselves out of the house. Lisa, <laughs> I feel like there's a story behind that. Uh, <laughs> Multiple ones. <laughs> when does she no, not lock herself? Just generally keeping I up with keys is not a strong suit. There's a symptom with me that occurs about like losing things and objects and cards and keys and important things. Did you guys get oh, uh, like oh an electronic God. lock so you can just do it with your phone? So you don't. We have should. <laughs> that would be great. But I might lose my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't help. Okay, most likely to snore. Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> gotcha. Got one. <laughs> awesome. Who is most likely to say sorry first? Lisa. Lisa. Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Love it. Uh, most likely to start up a conversation with a stranger. Lisa. <laughs> can, can we throw Otis in there? Yeah. <laughs> true. Otis is it. the two-year-old. Yeah. He's, he's more extroverted than Lisa is. Yeah. Is he the one that's like you you lose sight of him and then he's with another family taking like a picture? <laughs> he would enjoy that. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yep. We, we were out to eat with some uh, with a friends the other like last week or whatever we couldn't find the, the the other friend's daughter and he's like oh no i found her she's taking pictures with another family over there and oh, she's taking funny. pictures and then she asked to like look at the phone afterwards You're like <laughs> you don't know these people what are you doing <laughs> uh, well i feel like i already know the answer to this one most likely to have their phone die Lisa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you lost it, it also died. <laughs> um, who is the better professor? Daniel. I mean, I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, do you want your papers graded one time? <laughs> Going strong. Going strong. Some thought, okay. Some thoughtful lectures. Yeah. Okay, so the last one is just a metric that we like to really look at here. So is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Okay, so <laughs> it depends on the reason why they are vegetarian. Okay. Is it because of a philosophical belief that it is wrong to eat animals, or is it because they believe it's better for their health not to eat animals? 
Okay. If it's philosophical, then no, it is not okay for you to be eating animal crackers because it represents the animal. Everything you're against. <laughs> yeah. So shouldn't even be engaging in that form. Love. So you are the Brooke, second. Brooke is giving the squinty eye. Well, because you're the second person to bring up the philosophical slash moral and ethics of eating animal crackers while mm -hmm. being a vegetarian. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't something I even thought of. I was like, oh, there's a face. You don't eat it. But no, there's like a whole scheme, right? There's a whole <laughs> thing that you have to think about. I don't know, Daniel, did you already see this question beforehand? Because you had an answer um, mm -hmm. automatically off the bat. Yeah. So I listened to Stephanie and Kelsey's okay. today. Oh, one of our loyal listeners. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> the tins. The tins. <laughs> Trying to bring up the numbers. <laughs> so you so you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna have an answer for this sucker. That's right. Nailed it. Lisa, do you agree what with that? Lisa. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody could use an experience of eating an animal. <laughs> what's your what's your but this is like lions and like exotic animals. Like some of these are endangered. <laughs> Well, you know, they shouldn't have gotten caught, I guess. What's your, right? what's your favorite animal cracker? It's a cookie. It's a cookie. <laughs> it's a cookie. Yes. You said a lion. It's a cracker. <laughs> what were you saying, Brooke? I said, really what's, your, what's your favorite animal cracker? I don't have a favorite animal cracker, but I will say the, the camel because there's multiple. No, 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 no. Like, like, do you like the iced ones? Do you like the one that has just well, like that's a, a cookie, sir? I can eat those ice ones like a bag of chips. Yeah, those are those are routinely in my lunches for the day. Remember the only kind of, the only good sprinkle is the iced animal cracker sprinkle. Otherwise, I'm anti-sprinkle. <laughs> is there an ethical or philosophical reason behind that as well? Um, no, just I know what's what's good. <laughs> All right, Chris. <laughs> Can, well, I want to thank them. You can close it out for our sponsors. <laughs> I want to thank the McClary's for being with us today. Um, you guys have a lot of knowledge and information. It's really nice for you to guys to endow that upon us. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners. I want to thank Brooke and Jen for, for being here with me today. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media channels, Facebook and Instagram at TXASP. Rate us on Spotify. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, make good choices. So Chris put in a word that he's putting into every episode, but he's not telling us what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to take a guess. That's fine. You think? Um, in Dow. No, no, but oh. that would have been a good one. <laughs> Anybody else ready to guess? I, and let it be known, Brooke, I said I've been saying something in every episode. Oh, it wasn't a word. <laughs> <laughs>